I want to start this morning by asking, uh, why are you here? In 2019 in Australia, uh, there's not a lot of people who would think to come into an old building. It seems a bit pointless to the average Australian. Uh, Most Australians have found something else to do on a Sunday. So why are we here? What's the point? Uh, Some years ago, our church set out uh, nine goals that we believe God was calling us uh, to look to achieve. Uh, As a church, we said, this is what we're on about. This is what we're aiming for. This is why we're here. Uh, This is why we exist. And as uh, Ben mentioned earlier, uh, we're going to start a series over the next few weeks looking at these nine goals. Uh, Typically, we'll take a couple at a time. And uh, the nine goals you'll see are on the screen. Uh, Number one, as a church, we aim to commit ourselves to prayer. Uh, We're also aiming to honour and glorify God through vibrant, meaningful worship, to strive to be a biblical church, to share God's plan of salvation, to be growing in vibrant relationship with God, to be an inclusive, loving and supportive church family, to be a loving and welcoming church, to be a church that manages its resources and to actively demonstrate Christ's love for all. Uh, These are great things to set out to achieve. Uh, And so this morning we're going to look at two of these goals. Uh, You'll see those highlighted ones there. Uh, What does it mean to be a worshipping church? And what does it mean to be a biblical church? So I wonder, how would you answer that question? How would you go about answering the question, what does it mean to have vibrant, meaningful worship? What, what does it mean to be biblical? I don't know if you've ever pondered that. They're not the sorts of questions that we ask, uh, but they're great questions to consider, great things to think about. But at the end of the day, we don't want our thoughts, we want God's thoughts on this. So would you join me as we pray? And Father, we thank you that we can come together this morning and learn from your word. And we thank you that in your word you have revealed yourself. I pray that you would open our eyes to see how wonderful you are, that you would soften our hearts to see our need for you, and that you would stir our spirits to long for you more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So let's start by describing what it means to be worshipping. Larry actually touched on this a few weeks ago, and so we're only going to briefly address this this morning. Uh, In fact, I'd actually like to look at the same passage that Larry looked at a few weeks ago and also the passage that Ben uh, touched on as part of the reading from last week. Uh, Would you turn with me in your Bibles or uh, your phone, if you're that way inclined, uh, to Romans chapter 12. Uh, For me, this is the clearest biblical definition of worship. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore... I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. Uh, Ben talked through this last week, uh, but let's recap. Uh, Follow the logic with me. So firstly, we're told the why. Any action we take is in response to God's mercy. Uh, Friends, if you know and trust Jesus, you were once an enemy subject to wrath. But now 
He's adopted you into his family. He's lavished grace upon you. He's promised to call us home. That's why anything we do is in response to that. Secondly, this is what we do. We worship him with our lives. Uh, This is what Larry unpacked for us a few weeks ago. Uh, This is what worship is, living sacrificial lives each day because of what he's done for us. Uh, So how do we do this? Uh, That's the next thing that the text addresses. Uh, So the passage tells us in in verse 1, the what and the why, verse 2 starts to tell us the how. Uh, We're told, don't do this, do that instead. Don't conform, be transformed. Uh, Don't conform to the pattern of the world. So what's the world's pattern? Now, there's lots of patterns, but at the heart of it, uh, as outlined in the book of Romans, the world's pattern is to ignore God, to reject him. That's that's the pattern. The pattern is to see ourselves as king, to want to rule our own lives. That's the world's pattern. Uh, In fact, our world even has a saying. you've You've got to be true to yourself. That's the world's pattern. The world says, just do it. Whatever you feel, just do it. That's the world's pattern. Instead, we're to be transformed by renewing our minds. So this means not thinking the way that the world thinks, not daydreaming the way that the world daydreams, not hoping for the things the world hopes for. Instead, it means meditating on him, thinking his thoughts, being filled with his word. And then finally, the outcome in verse 2, of living like this means that we'll be able to test and approve what his will is. I'm not sure if you noticed the connection there between the outcome uh, and also the uh, the what it is that we're looking to do. Uh, If we're testing and approving his will, if we're living like that, it it means that we're going to live sacrificial lives. Uh, There's a connection there. Uh, So each week, if we are living like that outside of this building... What are our gatherings going to look like on a Sunday? I think the best way to have vibrant, meaningful worship is to live lives like Romans 1 and, uh, 12, 1 and 2 out there and then gather together. That's, that's meaning and vibrant worship out there and in here. Uh, so as we reflect on, on those couple of verses, the first tangible step that we take is in view of his mercy to renew our minds, to think his thoughts, his words. If we're to have worshipful lives, it starts with transformed minds, biblical minds, which brings us to that second goal statement, uh, that we would strive to be a biblical church. Uh, So if we're to be a biblical church, does that just refer to the paid ministers, that they would be biblical? Or does it mean that we would have biblical sermons? Is that what we're talking about? Uh, Now, I'd suggest that it's not the sort of thing that we can outsource. In fact, it's not the sort of thing that we should even want to outsource, that others would be biblical. Uh, A call to be biblical is the sort of thing that I uh, would hope that we would desire for ourselves. And if we don't yet hope it, uh, then by the end of our time together, uh, I would hope and pray that you would agree with me on that point. Uh, There's numerous passages in Scripture that we could go to to unpack this, uh, but the passage that kept coming to mind over and over again, uh, the chapter, uh, was right in the heart of the Bible, uh, in the book of Psalms, uh, book of poetry. Uh, The longest uh, longest chapter in the Bible 
is Psalm 119. It's a chapter on God's word. The whole chapter is about God's word. And that's what we're going to turn to for the rest of our time. Uh, So look in your Bibles or in the news about. uh, And Chris is going to come and read that to us. Thanks, Chris. Psalm 119. Blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. They do no wrong, but follow his ways. You have laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. Then I would not be put to shame when I consider all your commands. I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous laws. I will obey your decrees. Do not utterly forsake me. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with my, uh, all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in riches. I meditate on your precepts as, and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Be good to your servant while I live that I may obey your word. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. I am a stranger on earth. Do not hide your commands from me. My soul is consumed with longing for your laws at all times. You rebuke the arrogant who are accursed, those who stray from your commands. Remove from me their scorn and contempt, for I keep your statutes. Though rulers sit together and slander me, your servant will meditate on your decrees. Your statutes are my delight. They are my counsellors. Uh, if you've got a Bible or an electronic device, it's probably better to actually look on there uh, because there are some uh, headings in the original text that belong in the text and it'll help us to understand the way that the psalm is broken up. Uh, so those were the first 24 out of 176 verses. Uh, I was a little bit tempted to ask Chris to read the whole thing uh, because that would mean I wouldn't need to prep a sermon. We could read the psalm and uh, we'd just sing our last song and it would save me a bit of time. Uh, It is a long psalm, and there's no way that we can unpack it all. In fact, there's no way we can unpack even what's in those 24 verses. Uh, So that's not my aim this morning. My aim is that it might whet your appetite to want to read the whole thing for yourself, and not just read it, to meditate on it, uh, to pray through it. Uh, So you probably picked up, even just from those 24 verses, that the theme of the psalm is God's word, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, Depending on which translation you're looking at, there's maybe six to ten different uh, synonyms for God's word uh, that that are referred to there. Uh, In the Hebrew, there's eight different words that are used, uh, all referring to God's revelation to his chosen people, his word to his covenant people. Uh, It's worth noting as well that that word up the top of the list, which is mentioned numerous times in the Psalms, and depending on your translation, it might be mentioned in that fourth line down as well as as law. That word law isn't a dirty word. Uh, We think of that uh, with a lot of negative connotations often. Uh, That that word, that first line there, is Torah. 
Uh, it's referring to the first five books of the Bible, uh, the Torah, the books of law. So think about the God who is revealed in those five books of the Bible. He's the creator God. He's a forgiving God. He is a covenant-making, promise-keeping God. Uh, he is a God who rescues his people, a God who reveals himself, a God who walks with his people in the garden, who dwells with his people in the desert. Uh, this is the God we see in those five books. This is the God that the law, the Torah, reveals to us. Uh, it's not a word of legalism. It's a word of gracious revelation. Uh, the Torah, the law, is where the story of Scripture begins. Uh, this whole psalm is on that theme of God's word. Uh, it's made up of 22 stanzas, uh, each of which is a different elaboration on the theme. Uh, almost every verse out of the 176 verses mentions God's word or one of those synonyms. Um, it's worth noting as well, uh, those headings in there are the letters of the Hebrew alphabet, the 22 letters. Uh, and it's an acrostic psalm uh, with each of the eight verses in the stanza starting with that letter of the alphabet. Uh, and that's what those headings are. And in, in, depending on the translation, you may even have the word plus the alphabetic symbol there. Uh, and so that's the device uh, that we're following through. This morning, we're only going to look at the first three stanzas. So let's start at verse 1. Blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who according to the law who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. They do no wrong, but follow his ways. Uh, here we begin our first stanza this morning. Uh, these uh, three verses set the theme for the whole stanza. Uh, it's obviously the wrong crowd there, but that's okay. Uh, this, uh, the, the theme of this stanza is the blessings of obedience. Uh, it's interesting to see the way that blessing uh, is referred to in, in these eight verses and particularly in these first three verses uh, and how stark the contrast is between blessing in these verses and our typical definition of blessing, even in Christian circles. Uh, sadly, we're, we're tempted to reduce blessing to health and wealth. If we feel good, we think we're blessed. Uh, if we have stuff, we equate this with blessing. Uh, our understanding of blessing so often falls pitifully short of what true blessing actually is. Uh, so look with me in the text again. Uh, look at how blessing is described in these one to three verses. Verses one to three, they, they don't say that as a result of seeking God, you will get stuff. They say... Uh, if you seek God, you'll have health and wealth. They don't say that. Uh, the blessing isn't unrelated. Uh, the blessing of seeking God in verse 2 is having God. That's the blessing. It's not wanting him as a means to another end. It's wanting him because we want him. That's blessing. That's, surely that is better than any level of health, any amount of wealth, to have him to know our Heavenly Father and be known by Him. Uh, so often we're like that kid at Christmas uh, who receives an extravagant present uh, and then plays in the cardboard box. The King of all creation has revealed Himself to us. He's given us His Word. 
in a language we can understand, in whatever translation we want to read it in. And yet, we're more interested in stuff. Have you ever considered that the level of comfort in our lives, the things that we have, may not actually be blessings, but sometimes they're barriers to true blessing? Have you ever wondered that? We just set our sights way too low. So let's move into the rest of this stanza. Uh, Verses 4, 5, 6 and 8. He gives us his precepts, his decrees, his commands that we will obey him, that we'll not be shamed, that we won't be forsaken. Uh, When we follow his word, there's no shame. Uh, When we know and love his word, we won't be abandoned because he meets us there. Uh, Did you also notice in verse 7 the connection between praise uh, and his law, uh, his word? Now, if we want to be a worshipping church, we must be a biblical church. You can't properly worship him without being biblical. Uh, The next stanza tells us what purity looks like in a sin-soaked world. Uh, There's a seeking and avoiding going on here. Uh, There's a desire not to stray in verse 10, uh, to not sin in verse 11, and to not neglect his word in verse 16. Uh, But most of the actions in this stanza are seeking actions rather than avoiding actions. So I suspect if a young Christian were to ask any one of us, well, how do I live a pure life? We'd be tempted to give them a list of things to avoid. Uh, There's wisdom in that. Uh, But in this stanza, there's only a few things to avoid. It's mainly talking about the things we should pursue. And nature abhors a vacuum, and so do our desires. Uh, John Calvin once said that the human heart is an idol factory. We were made to worship. We were made to desire. The way to not sin isn't just to avoid sin. It's also to seek something better. We don't stop sinning by desiring nothing. We stop sinning when we desire the best, when we desire him. The solution to sin presented in in these verses is to hide his heart in our word, uh, his word in our hearts rather, to live by his word, to seek him to learn his decrees, recount his laws, to meditate on his precepts, to consider his ways, to delight in his decrees. Uh, So we see in verse 10, uh, there is a resolution of the will to pursue God. In verse 11, there's a memorization and internalization of his word. In verse 13, uh, this is where the psalmist speaks those words. And verses 14 and 16 Uh, It absorbs and directs his emotions. Verse 15, it consumes his mind. Every part of the psalmist's inner being is preoccupied with God and his word. The best antidote to sin in this world, the best antidote to falling in love with this world, isn't to just stop loving the world. It's to love him more, to seek him more, to treasure him above everything else to desire his word. Uh, Our third stanza this morning uh, beckons us to see how good his word is. Uh, It's not merely good, it is essential. Uh, There's a sense of anguish here. Uh, Look at verse 19. Uh, The psalmist is a stranger in this world. Uh, Verse 21 uh, hints that he's in the midst of the arrogant, the accursed, those not living God's way. Uh, Verse 22, he's the victim of their scorn and contempt. Verse 23, he's being slandered. In difficulty and distress, the Lord and his word are the psalmist's comfort, his delight. 
Now, the psalmist pleads in verse 18. Look at it. He pleads for God to open his eyes and see how wonderful his word is. Uh, it's not a natural thirst to love an old book. That's, that's a supernatural thirst, a supernatural desire. So I wonder, when was the last time you prayed a prayer like that in verse 18? Perhaps we find his word to be less than it is uh, because we've never asked him or we haven't recently asked him to open our eyes that we would long for his word in that way. In verse 20, the psalmist is consumed with longing for it. Uh, In verse 23, he's meditating on it. In verse 24, he's delighting in it regardless of his circumstances. Uh, A few weeks ago, we had Anessa come up and share in our morning service Uh, about what her hope for the church is. Uh, She shared this. Uh, She said her hope for the church is that in being better together, we continue to gather around God's word. Not just to like the word, but to fall in love with the word. That's what this psalm is talking about. It's about seeing God's word as wonderful, being consumed by it, being desperate for it, dependent on it. Uh, the aim of being a biblical church is a good aim. In fact, it's probably the best aim, the best goal, because in his word we meet him. Now, ultimately, what we need as a church isn't some clever new scheme. Uh, having a strategic plan for a church is a good thing. Having personal goals is a good thing. But what we need is for him to speak to us, which he does in his eternal word. Uh, It would be crazy to not build our lives, to not build this church on that. Uh, You see, the psalm here, the psalmist here, realises that it's not just about being devoted to God's word. He understands that the beauty of God's word is being devoted to it means that we're devoted to him. Uh, John Piper explains this really helpfully uh, on what it means to be devoted to God's word. Uh, John Piper says... I love the Bible the way I love my eyes. Not because my eyes are lovely, but because without them I can't see what is lovely. Without the Bible I could not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. Without the Bible I could not know the unsearchable riches of Christ. Without the Bible I would not know that I am a great sinner and that he is a great saviour. I love the Bible because it gives the wisdom that leads to salvation and shows me that this salvation is, <clears throat> is nothing less than seeing and savouring the glory of Christ forever and then provides for me inexhaustible ways of seeing and knowing and enjoying Christ. I hope that wading into these first 24 verses uh, has increased your desire to know him, to delve into his word. I hope that I've convinced you that his word is good. Uh, But I suspect that most of us knew that already. I suspect that's not our real problem. I think the the issue isn't that intellectually we don't know that his word is good. I think the problem is we just don't read it. So I want to take the last few minutes together to give some practical suggestions on how we may be more biblical. uh, How we can be more biblical in our everyday lives. Uh, I reckon there's four different types of people in this room. Uh, there's some who aren't seeking God at all uh, in his word for themselves. Uh, you might come to church, uh, but you just don't open this for yourself. 
Uh, Firstly, if that's you, can I assure you that everyone in this room has been in that place? Everyone. Um, Secondly, can I encourage you that if you are willing to meet him here, he will always meet you here. At a practical level, uh, can I encourage you to start with something simple? Um, If you launch into something tomorrow that takes an hour a day, you're probably not going to do it on Tuesday and almost certainly won't do it on Wednesday. Start small. Uh, Find a devotional uh, that has a short reading uh, along with a short reflection. Uh, Or find a Bible reading plan that just has small passages that you can read in a few minutes a day. Uh, It's most important that you build up the habit of reading his word. Uh, So don't be unrealistic. Uh, There's a few devotionals that I've used over the time that are helpful on this. Uh, John Piper's written a few short devotionals. Uh, There's a few in this series, uh, but this one right here is uh, phenomenal. Uh, 50 Reasons Why Jesus Came to Die. Uh, So maybe that's a a really good place to start. Uh, There's a few verses and a one and a half page reflection on those verses. Uh, It's a a good way to start uh, that habit. Uh, if you're not a reader, uh, then maybe uh, get an audio Bible uh, or podcast a Bible-based sermon where the preacher walks you through uh, Scripture as, as part of that sermon. Uh, whatever it is that you do, do something so that you're no longer going from Sunday to Sunday uh, without opening God's Word. Uh, find something that works for you and start that pattern. Uh, the second type of people are those in this room uh, who might occasionally read God's Word Uh, But it's not regular. Uh, It's very hit and miss. Uh, You might read it for a day or two and then go some weeks before opening it again. Uh, My suggestion for you is to identify a time in your week and a place when you'll do it. Uh, If if your plan at the moment is to read it before you get out of bed in the morning but you keep hitting snooze, then find a new plan. If the plan isn't working, find a new plan, something that will fit into your rhythms. Uh, Maybe... Uh, that you actually get out of bed and head to work early and just do, do your quiet time before you start work. Uh, that's actually my typical plan at the moment. I find that to be a helpful one, uh, to, to do it before I start the day, uh, but once I've left the house. Uh, for others, it might be uh, that your pattern is to defer your trip home. Uh, maybe if you're a nighttime person, uh, set an alarm for the time you need to go to bed so that you can go to bed, read the Bible before you get too tired and fall asleep. Set an alarm to go to bed. Maybe that's the pattern that you need. Uh, Perhaps you use public transport and you can use your commute. Uh, Whatever it is, find a pattern that works in the rhythm of your life. Uh, And also think about the method that works best for you. Uh, So it may be uh, one of those resources or the the audio Bible or the podcast that I mentioned earlier. Uh, But maybe just doing it alone isn't your thing. Uh, perhaps if, if you grow in God's word conversationally, find a couple of other believers who are wide in that same way, who live near you, uh, who work near you, who you can meet up with a few times a week and read and discuss God's words uh, together. Uh, one great way that you could do that uh, is through BSF, Bible Study International. Uh, you'll see up the top there, their websites uh, there, bsfinternational.org. Uh, there are a couple of dozen classes around Sydney uh, there's about 12 classes within 40 minutes or so uh, of here. Uh, there's Standard Eastwood, next suburb across, there's a women's class. Uh, there's men's classes up at Thornley. They're, they're all over the place. Uh, if, if you're 
way of learning God's word is to do it in community, uh, then find a way to put yourself into that community. Find the person or people that you can read God's word with. Uh, build your rhythm around that way. And then one final tip, when you're setting out to build that pattern, set yourself a daily reminder. Don't just rely on, oh, I feel like it, so I'll do it. Don't, don't rely on remembering. Uh, set yourself a reminder on a to-do app. Uh, set yourself an alarm until you build that pattern. And then once you've built the pattern, uh, set yourself a weekly reminder. Uh, just to remind yourself to check in, hey, how am I going on that? Uh, that uh, those are the things that I've done. I've set daily reminders, and I've now got a, tip, uh, a weekly reminder every Wednesday that just says, hey, how, how's your quiet time pattern going? Uh, set yourself a reminder. Don't, don't expect that we won't fall off the plan that we set. Uh, the third group of people in the room are those who are regular but shallow. Uh, can I encourage you to find some spiritual meat, or if you're a vegetarian, some spiritual tofu? Uh, find, find something meaty. Uh, if, if you're in the habit of reading uh, just like a verse of the day, uh, or reading a devotional that gives you one or two verses and then a page or two of someone's reflections, uh, then move on to something more meaty. Those John Piper devotionals are great, uh, but they're, they're not long-term meat. Uh, they're, they're great in small chunks, uh, but find something meaty that will have you read whole chapters of the Bible, uh, reading books whole, uh, the whole way through rather than chopping and changing between books. Uh, there's a couple of ones that I've used over the years. Uh, this series, the two volumes by Don Carson, uh, the newer covers up on the screen, uh, was the first way that I started to get into a systematic way of reading the Bible. Uh, depending on how you read it, the way I did it was a couple of chapters a day, 15 minutes a day, uh, every day of the year for two years, and you'll read the whole Bible and the Psalms and New Testament twice. Uh, it's brilliant, and it just gives you a one-page reflection on each of those uh, two-chapter readings. Uh, that's a great thing to do. Uh, the thing that I've been doing more recently uh, is using commentaries. Um, I, I thank God for Don Carson and, and Dale Ralph Davis. Uh, they, these are phenomenal. Uh, he, he's written a few of these short commentaries. There's a couple on the Psalms. Uh, great way to get into them. Uh, just eight or so pages. Uh, of commentary that is incredibly helpful and applicable, uh, easy to read. Uh, and then he's got these uh, longer books uh, that take a whole book uh, of the Bible and the Old Testament. Uh, they are wonderful, wonderful things to read. Uh, if you're the sort of person who's better with questions rather than someone's reflections, uh, then there's plenty of resources out there. One that I have is Search the Scriptures. Uh, but again, it just takes you through uh, a whole book of the Bible or sometimes for the bigger books, break it up into two or three sections. Uh, but it takes, just takes you through and asks you a few key questions each day just to get you to reflect. Uh, can I commend one of those resources? Uh, but there's heaps out there. Um, find some meat. Uh, dig in. His word is good. Uh, and then the final group here this morning are the gurus. Uh, the, the people who are regular and, and meaty in what they do. Uh, can I say that the body of Christ needs you? Uh, can you pray for us? Can you encourage us in what we're reading? Uh, can you share with us the jewels that you're reading? Uh, can you keep us accountable? Uh, so I wonder where are you in all of this? Uh, which, which category do you belong into? Uh, and more critically, what's your next step? What's the thing that you need to do? We know we should read it, but what do you need to do? 
Uh, for some, your next step is to find a day this week to head down to Coorong. Or um, seriously, pull out your phone now and pull up their website or book depository or whatever it is uh, and order one of the things that I've mentioned here. Maybe that's your next step. Uh, maybe your next step, um, again, feel free to pull out your phone or write it down on a scrap of paper if you're old school. Um, set, set an alarm for, for the time tonight that you're going to read the Bible. Uh, set, set the alarm now for what time you need to be waking up tomorrow. What, what is the next step that you need to take? I'll give you just a couple of seconds to ponder. What is that next step that you could take to be more biblical for yourself this week? Whatever that step is for you, uh, I'd like to suggest one more step that all of us should take, and that is to pray that God would grow that desire in us, uh, that he would grow that desire in our church, that we would be a biblical church because we long for his word. Uh, maybe one way you could do this uh, is to take Psalm 119 and read and pray one stanza each, each day. Pray those eight verses each day for the next few weeks for yourself, for your family and friends, for this church. Uh, that, that would be a good thing to do. Uh, or find another way of getting into the pattern of praying that God would grow that desire in us. Um, however you want to do it, let's start that pattern of praying right here and now. Uh, would you join with me as I pray uh, a prayer from stanzas 18 and 5 from this psalm. Let's pray. Father God, your word is wonderful. Help us to obey it. Stir our hearts that we would long for you as you reveal yourself in your word. Have mercy on us as you always do for those who love you. Direct our footsteps according to your word that sin won't rule over us. It breaks our hearts that your word is not cherished in this world, that your ways are not obeyed. Teach us your ways, Lord that we would follow you all our days. Give us understanding that we would love you and follow you with all our hearts. Turn our hearts toward you and not toward selfish gain. Turn our eyes from worthless things and give us life through your word. May we long for you and your word every day from now until you bring us home. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <laughs>